Welcome to The Conversation. This podcast is produced by QSource as part of Medicare's quality improvement organization efforts to share information, educate clinical staff, and encourage improvement through best practices. Each episode discusses a topic that is timely and applicable to you, your staff, and patients. In this episode, QSource Quality Improvement Advisor Kathy Ray leads a discussion on tobacco and nicotine use across ages during COVID-19, as many have turned to the substances as a way to cope with anxiety, stress, and isolation during lockdowns and social distancing. This increased health risk raises questions about the impact of pandemic on tobacco consumption, how to best address access to care, sharing resources to reduce smoking, and the strategies to reduce harm associated with smoking. Our guests include Patty Rose, a Senior Quality Advisor at Purdue Healthcare Advisors. Kayla Sue, Community Outreach Manager for Rethink Tobacco Indiana. And Tisha Reed, Connection Indiana Health Project Lead, Health Equity and Cancer Control, Indiana Clinical Transitional Science Institute. In this conversation, they detail the impact of the projects and organizations they work for and how they have an effect on their communities. Our discussion is in partnership with Hoosier Health and Wellness, who is dedicated to decreasing social determinants of care and addressing health issues such as food insecurities, accessibility to care, and managing chronic diseases. Now, let's get the conversation started. So, Patty, let's begin with you. Would you like to get us started in the conversation? Sure, sure. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. So um, I guess it's important since we're, we're talking about smoking cessation for our youth, I think it's important that everybody know some important, fa important facts up front. Um, you know, kids are still smoking. I think it's been there, there's over over 3,200 teenagers smoke their first cigarette uh, and additional 2,100 youth and youth, uh, young adults become daily cigarette smokers. Uh, smoking is dangerous. There, there's no, everybody knows the nicotine is addicting. Um, according to the Surgeon General, there's uh, 5.6 million Americans younger than 18 that die yearly from smoking-related diseases. Smokers start young. There, there's, uh, it's been, studies have shown that 90% of smokers try their first cigarette product by the age of 18. But if someone hasn't started using tobacco by 26, likely they're, it's, they're not going to start. So it's not just cigarettes either. You just tobacco, smoking, you think cigarettes. No, kids kids are exposed to cigars, uh, they're cigarellos, e-cigarettes, which you may know as vaping or juuling, and I think Kayla's going to speak more on that. Uh, hookah, water pipe, uh, smokeless tobacco, snuff, chew, dissolvable tobacco. Um, and then several of these forms are flavored, which even increases the attraction to our young people. Uh, chocolate, uh, candy and they're colorful and so really and then you social media yeah you have your youth i don't know any young person that doesn't have a phone uh in their hand and it's constantly especially in this age of covid where they're on their phone scrolling um so there's a lot of uh, good tools we'll talk about those a little later about tools for youth uh to engage via social media but um what we'd like to focus on uh, or I'd like to address is what can parents or grandparents do to help their young people stop smoking? Um, I think it's 
parents are the most powerful influence or grandparents, especially uh, as in this age of COVID, a lot of our young people are, uh, as parents have to go to work, they hang out with their grandma and grandpa. Uh, so if your teenager seem, and most teenagers disagree with everything you say. So I'd like to point out a few bullet points here um, that are some effective ways that you could steer your kids away from tobacco. So maintain a dialogue, start early. Begin talking with your kids about smoking and vaping in kindergarten. I know, you're like, kindergarten? Yes, I think it's important to start as young as kindergarten. Be honest and open, seeing things from your, your kids' point of view. And don't stop. Keep that conversation going with your kids as they get older. That great relationship, you start young and it just carries on into their, their as they, they get more difficult in their teenage years. Uh, and then think more about than just cigarettes. Like I mentioned, it's more than just cigarettes. Explain to your children, the youth, that smokeless tobacco, hookahs, e-cigarettes, they all have dangers and including that nicotine addiction. Um, I think our youth are, are they're more, it's been proven that you, young people are more prone to get addicted to nicotine faster than if you were an older adult. Uh, and then set a good example. If you smoke, if you're an adult, grandparents, mom and dad, you're smoking, consider stopping because you are setting that example for those young people. So the best thing you could do is just quit. At a minimum, don't smoke around your children. And then establish a smoke-free home that kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, don't allow family members or friends to smoke in your home or your car. Uh, make sure that places your child spends a lot of time are tobacco-free. And I know a lot of restaurants across the state of Indiana or the country, for that matter, uh, have gone tobacco-free. You can't smoke inside a restaurant, so that's a plus. Um, and if your child has started smoking or vaping, try to learn why. There's always a root cause to this. Um, this may help uh, you talk with him or her more, more effectively. Uh, and then think of instead of punishment, you know, grounding or, you know, you're grounded for two weeks because you're smoking, offer understanding and help to resist the dangerous lure of tobacco use and uh, addiction in the beginning. Um, a lot of great resources out there. And I think we'll, each of us will touch on those. Um, but the American Heart Association, I just wanted to add, has a lot of great stuff on there. Uh, you know, Google is my best friend. You type in smoking cessation for teens or youth. Uh, but Indiana has a lot of great uh tools to offer as well. And I think I, I spoke uh, a little over here. So um, Kathy, is there uh, some more questions you have for us? We do. Is um, state legislator and policies, is there anything that Indiana state legislator can do to help with reducing tobacco use? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there is a site, an advocate group in the state of Indiana called Raise It for Health, Indiana.com. You go to the website. They have a, uh, they're trying to increase the tobacco law. Indiana is one of the very few states, it's been 14 years since Indiana has increased their tobacco tax. Uh, we've been trying to advocate and, and push for a $2 increase in uh, the tax rate for buying a pack of cigarettes. Uh, reducing smoking, you know, just reducing our smoking rate is just key to saving Hoosier lives in Indiana and, and help stimulate the economy as well. But we're really focusing on lives. Unfortunately, that bill did not get passed for $2. I think it was 50, 50 cents or 55 cents, I believe, that um, the Indiana state legislators were able to pass this year. Um, and then you know, increasing the tobacco tax, not only, like I mentioned, it saves lives, but it also will generate over uh, $300 million in revenue to help Indiana address improving public health and other critical needs. 
Um, in addition to the revenue, it'll save Indiana County billions of healthcare and productivity uh, costs. Uh, it was estimated uh, last year, or actually, they, Indiana spends uh, over $2.9 billion toward healthcare costs, all related to smoking. And then also, monetarily thinking, uh, $3.17 billion in productivity in the state of Indiana. That's a lot of money. Uh, and I know a lot of people are like, you're going to increase the tax, then there are, you know, people are still going to find a way to buy their cigarettes, but we've got to start somewhere. Um, you know, smoking kills more Hoosiers than alcohol, AIDS, car crashes, illegal drugs, murders, suicide combined. And that, that's kind of hard to fathom, but it's true. Uh, tobacco tax increase is proven, would prove to help people quit smoking. And again, it'd save lives. So there, there's a lot of things. Reach out to your state legislatures. Uh, I know they've had a petition going around before they passed the recent uh, increase in tax, and it will go around. We'll fight again to, for next year in 2022 to, to get that tax uh, passed. But there's a lot of things you can do. Like I said, raiseitforhealthindiana.com is a great website if you're interested in learning more what you could do to help advocate for smoking cessation in Indiana. Great, that's that's great. I know across our our uh, Q source community coalitions that we have across the state, any and all resources that we can share in a, in a collaboration partner with you, we would be happy to do so. Um, we realize that we have a lot of grandparents that are reaching out to the school nurses, interesting enough, and and asking about uh, resources for smoking and and helping their young ones, um, their grandchildren, um, you know, learn the risks and the harms of what they're actively doing. So thank you for the resources and thank you for the information. Kayla, can we move to you now so that you can guide us in some more specific information about um, ongoing dangers and the differences between the e-cigarettes and vaping and- Yeah, hi, Kathy. Yeah, hi. Yeah, so um, these different products out there, the e-cigarette and vaping devices, uh, really they, they went unregulated for so long by our U.S. government. So there are so many different devices that are out there. Uh, really the first generation of e-cigarette devices came to the U.S. in about 2006, 2007, and they closely resembled a cigarette uh, and were disposable. So uh, they were referred to as the Cigalike. Uh, and then, and then as time went by, you know, we had the second generation of these products. Uh, they they came with a rechargeable battery and had pre-filled cartridges with an e-liquid or e-juice that contained nicotine, um, and and generally pen-shaped. And and these were called vape pens, um, given their appearance. It you know looks similar to pens. Um, but of course, as these products have become more popular, and the demand has grown for devices that can have a longer battery life. We now have devices uh, that do not look like cigarettes or pens anymore. Um, they have larger batteries. They can be modified um, to change the, the temperature of, of the e-liquid to a higher temperature. Um, and they're refillable. They can look like tanks. Um, sometimes they're referred as mods because they're modifiable. Um, and then our newest generation of devices um, have that sleek and high-tech design. You may have heard of the Jewel device, which, which got pretty popular. Uh, among our youth, and it resembles a USB flash drive. And so these devices, so many different names with the lack of standardization out there, 
Um, and, and really, it's really unknown how much nicotine content um, is in these products and how much generally that, that they deliver to users. And um, with the e-cigarette and vaping use, it, it has really undone a lot of the great tobacco control and public health work that our country has seen over the last decade. Um, so much where in, in December of 2018, our Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Jerome Adams, who is from Indiana, he was our state health commissioner, he declared that uh, we are in a youth uh, vaping epidemic. Um, really, you know, all of all of the great work that that we've done has been uh, really undercut by the the high use of these vaping and e-cigarette products. Well, we've got a couple questions for you. Um, historically, tobacco products have been used as a harm reduction tool in the behavioral health field. What are your thoughts on using the e-cigarettes or vaping as a harm reduction strategy? Yeah, so this is not a, a new concept, especially for, uh, you know, those in the behavioral health field, including providers, um, you know, historically with tobacco products, with, with smoking, you know, um, patients were encouraged to, to use these products. They were used as, uh, you know, a reward incentive to get patients to take their medications. You know, it, it really took a lot of, um, you know, policy and legal action for our healthcare facilities to, to go tobacco-free. And um, even now there are still myths in the behavioral health field that, you know, they, they need to quit other substances before they quit smoking or, or quit vaping. Um, and, and that's just, that is not what we know to be true today. We know that tobacco treatment uh, during other addictions treatment is linked to a 25% increase in long-term abstinence of alcohol and other substances. Um, so with, with e-cigarette and vaping devices, uh, they should not be used as a harm reduction tool. Um, these, um, these products have not been approved by our U.S. Food and Drug Administration um, as a quit smoking tool or aid. Um, these are tobacco products that are made by tobacco companies uh, to generate a, a profit, you know, to, to um, show that their stakeholders that, that they're doing well. Um, and so these, these products are not harmless. Um, you know, it, it's generally considered that e-cigarette and vaping products that they have fewer toxins um, than what's found in, in cigarette smoke, but um, they are not harmless. They are not safer. Um, they have some, some of their own unique health risks as well. Um, so as far as um, some of the, the dangers or risks of these products, um, as I mentioned, they, they came over to the U.S. market in about uh, 06, 07, but they went unregulated for so long. Our government uh, did not regulate them until August of, um, I believe it was August of 2016. So nearly 10 years. So the lack of standardization there. Um, they haven't been around long term for us to know what inhaling these chemicals are going to do to our bodies over the long term. But unfortunately, our youth that are out there that are addicted to these products are are really, you know, could be considered our lab rats to, to let us know what they're going to do of inhaling these these chemicals, you know, over 20, 30 years. Um, they have nicotine, so we know that it's, you know, harmful for pregnant women, developing fetuses or developing babies. Um, but also nicotine is highly addictive. Um, and it can harm the adolescent and young adults brain development, um, which your brain continues to develop to your mid 20s. Um, and also makes them uh, more susceptible to 
uh, addiction to future substances uh, as well. And then tell us a little bit about the resources that we could find on this. Yeah, so I, I do want to echo that e-cigarettes and vaping products, they're not an approved quit tool or cessation device. Um, our U.S. Preventive Services Task Force uh, that, that puts out recommendations um, here in the U.S. on, you know, health, health screenings and, and what is proven to, to be um, most effective. Uh, and they do not recommend e-cigarettes uh, for quitting. They, they haven't had established research to prove that they are effective. Um, they recommend proven interventions that have established safety and efficacy. Um, which would be the FDA-approved tobacco treatment medications. There are seven of them out there um, with behavioral health counseling um, or behavioral counseling. Um, really, those two combined uh, show, show increased abstinence rates. Uh, people can be more successful when they do the um, FDA-approved medications paired with counseling to, to quit these products. Um, as far as other resources that are out there, in Indiana, we have Vape Free Indiana website that's out there, um, has great information for youth who use these products, as well as parents, uh, health clinicians, um, and as well as health educators. So our teachers as well can get some great resources at Vape Free Indiana. Um, the Truth Initiative has, has really great resources out there too. A lot of them have fun uh, videos and, and bright colors really, really geared towards youth for them to get involved and learn more about these products and become an advocate themselves. Uh, there's also a program called This Is Quitting. It's a text-based cessation program uh, where youth and young adults, they can text the code word INDIANA to the number 88709, and then they can enroll into that text-based program to, to quit these e-cigarettes and vaping products. Tisha, let's continue the conversation and review some of the recommendations and resources that you have to share with us as well. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I just want to say as we look at and consider some of the older adults, um, sometimes adults may say or may think that, uh, well, you know, I've been smoking all this time, so, you know, I don't see how it's really going to benefit me now. And so I just really want to make sure that that people who are listening know that at any age, at any point, um, to quit smoking is a true benefit because your body starts healing itself um, when you quit smoking. And so looking at that, there are benefits for older adults to quit, meaning they have, you know, the decreased uh, mortality um, if they are a cancer patient are going through some other treatments, their medications are, are not interfered with. If they quit smoking, they have uh, a better uh, recovery and, and use of, of the treatment uh, if they quit smoking. There's reverse respiratory uh, system symptoms if they were to quit smoking, and just an overall improved quality of life. And then the other piece that that they may care about is maybe they want to have some being on a fixed income, quitting smoking at an older age will also help them to put some money away, save probably close to $2,000 a year if they're a pack of smoker a day. And they can use that for whatever they need it for, or they can take a short, you know, vacation post, you know, the, the COVID crisis that we're in right now, right? So, um, and 
surprisingly, even though I started out with saying some may say, why, why should I? We know that there's over half of the smokers that are over age 65 indicate that they want to quit. So it's important that that they use these resources that we have, like they can go to the Veterans Quit Line, the 1-855-QUIT-VET. They can also use the other resources that we have talked about already today that uh, from the, especially in Indiana, um, the 1-800-QUIT-NOW uh, line, they can use that. They can go to smokefree.gov. Uh, there are also a, a nice resource with uh, National Cancer Institute, and that National Cancer Institute has a uh, website uh, that is specific for those that are over the age of 60. So I, I think that if they can use that website for um, National Cancer Institute, I believe that is uh, plus, uh, 60 plus is what it's called, 60plus.smokefree.gov is specific to that population. So I think those would be very helpful, as well as those who are tech savvy and want to be on the computer, they can go to the National Institute on Aging to look up some resources on quitting smoking. But I want to make sure that they understand that, they're, that the benefits of quitting smoking are still there for even the older adults, because we know that it will help, like we said, with the quality of, of uh, life. We know that it will help with coronary artery disease. Um, immediately, we know that there are some eye diseases that are associated with smoking, so it can help with that. Um, diabetes and, of course, the respiratory problems. And then we also know that um, a lot of the people in one study, it stated that the older adults, 70 percent of the deaths related to smoking are, are in that population. And during this climate of COVID, we know that the older adults also are the ones who are having uh, more issues with the illnesses uh, as a smoker, if they're a smoker with COVID-related illnesses, so in hospitalizations. So I hope that that is helpful and, and, and getting people to think that it's not too late. If you're an older adult, it's not too late. It's never too late to quit. And um, there are benefits and as we have been in this season of COVID, I think that we have come to um, want to explore more of those times where we want to get out more and uh, visit with family or do some things. Maybe it's gardening or some other stuff that we would like to just do and, and be involved in. So it's never too late and that older adults can quit as well. There are, there are, they, um, we know that if they receive the help, just like others with extra help with nicotine replacement therapy. Um, they take advantage of the coaching. You bring up a great point and let's open that up to to all the candidate or all the presenters about COVID and what that has looked like in, in the last year. Have you noticed or are there statistics out there that show an increased use in tobacco use overall during the isolation precautions and quarantine that we've been in? This this is Patty, and I've you know I've been looking for. There's not a lot of data out there quite yet. You know, we're just coming off. This is 2020 was the bane year. We're still in it. Uh, the pandemic. Uh, I know that the U.S. Surgeon General obviously has conclusively linked that smoking 
suppresses the immune system. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the, the CDC recommends, you know, that smoking not only increases the risk of illness from the virus, but that causes, but it, it's just more than ever that um, folks need to stop smoking. Um, you know, kids are being homeschooled. Um, they're not in school, which the, the vaping part, and probably Ka- Kayla can probably speak on that, but the vaping at schools, you know, they, they go out in the bathroom or whatever to vape or, uh, you know, in the parking lot, you know, schools have been home. So I think the rates have gone down in that regard. And, you know, parties are on hold. There's, you know, a lot of kids aren't able to go to parties where they would socialize and be in that environment where it would give them opportunity to smoke or use tobacco products. So, it, you know, there's not a lot of data out there quite yet, but we shall see. Yeah, and to expand upon what Patty said, uh, yeah, our, the data that we receive, it's usually available uh, mid the, the following year. So it, it will be really interesting to see as among both youth and adults uh, what, what those rates look like. Um, generally, you know, looking at with the isolation, uh, the anxiety, the, the fear of the pandemic does create um, a lot more stress. And so especially, too, for uh, those those folks that have behavioral health conditions, um, they can be at a greater risk, um, you know, with with the isolation, anxiety, and fear, and then using tobacco um, and even alcohol and other substances as a coping mechanism to try to deal with that. So definitely at, at a greater risk for sure. And I would agree with Kayla. I was going to mention that we know that there has been some documentation of alcohol um, intake increase. So um, as a coping mechanism. So therefore, it's it's suggested that there is probably an, an increase with uh, the tobacco component as well. Uh, so, but we don't have the evidence yet to really speak to that. So uh, all we can do is just say, well, it makes sense. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. last, um, last fall, so Stanford University, they came out with a study they published that, that found that uh, youth, youth that vaped, uh, those who vaped were five to seven times more likely to be infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 um, compared to, to those youth who did not use e-cigarettes. Um, and so, you know, they, they had about 4,000 um, study participants in that if ages 13 to 24. And so that that is pretty profound as well. If you if you look at the actual active vaping and, and smoking that hand to mouth. Um, as, as well can be uh, get more infected with, with putting your hands to your mouth, as well for youth who also share devices, especially e-cigarettes and vaping devices, which are commonly shared, shared devices. Um, however, again, it will be interesting to see because uh, with majority of 2020, a, a lot of people doing homeschooling or, or virtual schooling, uh, you know, not as likely to be around friends or, or other peers to be able to share those devices as as they would be normally. Right. And I, I just want to reiterate again that the CDC did come out and say that um, that people that are, you know, that are smoking um, current or former smokers have an increase um, risk of severe illness from COVID-19. So we just want to make sure that that is out there because smokers have lung problems that leave them, you know, more vulnerable to those diseases and um, which includes COVID-19 now. So, um, and we know that the older population is the one that was having the issue. So I would say that 
as we look at older adults and, and look at legislation even, we want to make sure there are still some um, smoke-free air policies that may need to be put in place, especially in apartment buildings and um, where you see some older adults living in and the nursing homes. And even though they say they they are, some are not, or there are some, still some issues. So we want to make sure that the policies are in place to protect the older population um, as well. Great discussion. I appreciate all the feedback. Now, Tisha, real quick, um, I understand that the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center is working on a tobacco project. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd like to share about that? Sure. Um, under the leadership of uh, Dr. Vicki Champion, they are work the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center's uh, Community Outreach and Engagement Office is working and partnering with uh, Indiana Tobacco Prevention Cessation Commission, uh, Rethink Tobacco Indiana, and um, as well as uh, Karen Hutman and her work in the pharmacy area and some other groups to make sure that we are raising the awareness of tobacco cessation and uh, especially during this time that we've had during COVID because we're, you know, as we talked about earlier, we're looking at there's probably an uptake in tobacco smoking, smoking, but we cannot prove that yet. So let's make sure that since schools have been out or they're a hybrid and you don't have the people inside the schools anymore doing the education like they were or um, being able to talk to youth about it, uh, let's try to raise some information, especially when it goes around to the older adult population as well, focusing on adults. So right now we are looking at uh, doing a tobacco campaign, marketing campaign, and this is in hopes that it would drive individuals to um, a new way of uh, tobacco cessation, which is the utilization of pharmacies. So there, um, now they can go to pharmacies and uh, to help them with their uh, smoking cessation. So we have, we're focusing in right now, the southern part of the state, we're looking at eight counties. Doesn't mean that this won't spread, spread anywhere else, but initially the first part of this will be done in um, counties like Switzerland and Jefferson, Jennings, Jackson, Clark, Floyd, Scott, and Washington. And we're also looking at Lake County um, in the near future. So these are, these are pilots that we're going to do and we're working with different uh, pharmacies. Karen Hudman has a, a um, a grant that she is working on that allows uh, her to train some pharmacists and she has trained a, a lot of pharmacists in, at Kroger, for example. Um, there's been some training with um, other pharmacies as well. So we have identified the count these pharmacists within those counties and we're also looking at some other ways um, to make sure. So for example, if someone goes to the pharmacy and um, they will receive tobacco cessation information in their packets um, as people go pick up their information there. I mean, pick up their um, prescriptions. They'll have the tobacco cessation information inside of their bag, uh, as well as some other marketing strategies that we're going to utilize. Um, so I just want to say the lookout for that project. It, it is now in development and we are excited about it. 
um, because it not only drives people to the pharmacy, but it also is going to drive people to the 1-800-QUIT-NOW line as well. So we are excited about, you know, just getting the information back out there into those counties that who have a high smoking prevalence. And we are um, looking forward to seeing how we can work with the pharmacist in this effort moving forward, because this is something we have not done before. So we're excited about this new project um, to drive people to this quit line, to raise awareness for that it, it'll work for youth and adults, as um, and especially that older adult population who uh, use the pharmacist for other issues that they may be dealing with, health issues, and picking up prescriptions. So, Any final thoughts, ladies, as we wrap up today? Yeah, for just keep, you know, we didn't talk a lot about providers, but from the health end, uh, I spend a lot of time in doctors or providers offices working with them, uh, kind of boots on the ground kind of thing. But, you know, asking their patients every time at every visit, I think is critical there. You never know when that even young people, pediatric doctors, you know, more importantly, uh, doctors tend to, but to ask, you know, do you smoke? And then looking for ways to to help them, you know, educating our youth, uh, not just for the parents or grandparents, but, and I know in this age of COVID, there's a lot of telehealth visits going on, but they could still ask them. So every time at every visit and for our older generation, you never know when that patient or per individual is going to be ready to quit. Um, so a lot of fabulous things. Tisha, great program out there for the pharmacist. Uh, I'm excited, excited to see that rolled out. I know as we can hit our the, the population, our community, uh, and let them know that, you know, so the dangers of smoking and that there are tools out there for them to help them stop smoking. Um, a lot of great support. So, yeah, some fabulous stuff going on in Indiana. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to uh, be a part of this presentation. So thank you, uh, Kathy. I've enjoyed it. Uh, well, I just wanted to expand upon what, what Patty mentioned for providers. We know that uh, by by having that advice to quit from multiple providers, it does increase a person's chance of, of engaging in a quit attempt. Um, and, and it takes less than five minutes to do the ask, advise, refer. Asking about all tobacco products, not just smoking, but especially for youth for vaping products. And you might have to list them by the specific product. You know, youth might not say that they vape, but they jewel. It's, it's now a verb, their, their product. Um, so it's really important to be able to capture that information and have that in the medical record. Um, and then, of course, advice to quit from a healthcare professional can be very impactful, personalizing it to, you know, the reason that they're there, or maybe a health condition um, can, can be really impactful. And then refer. So referring to the resources that we discussed previously, um, I think we mentioned the, our state tobacco quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. It provides free and confidential telephone-based counseling um, to, to all Hoosiers. Uh, there's even a youth program for youth ages 13 to 17 years old. Uh, so too, if, if you don't know any resources out there to, to help youth, the Indiana Tobacco Quit Line um, can very much help youth. And, and for those that have a behavioral health condition, there is a program with our state's quit line which can offer a 12-week regimen of combination nicotine replacement therapy. And again, for, for people to be most successful in their quit attempt is that behavioral counseling paired with tobacco treatment medications um, to, to have the likelihood of, of achieving tobacco recovery. 
Um, and then I know Tisha has mentioned the trainings for pharmacists uh, because Indiana, we have a standing order that gives pharmacists prescriptive authority um, to write prescriptions for tobacco treatment medications uh, because we know that the quitting feeling comes and goes, right? And so if someone wakes up tomorrow and decides they want to quit, they may not be able to get into their doctor's office uh, that very same day to, to get access to those medications. Um, and so how nice is it that they can just go to their, their local pharmacy um, and, and being able to, to have that uh, written by a pharmacist so that way they can use their prescription drug benefit. So thanks, Kathy. And Kathy, I just want to say thanks again. And thanks, Kayla, for adding that information about the pharmacy component. That's awesome. Um, and I just want to reiterate for the older adults who may be listening is that it's never too late to quit smoking. And that when you do, your your body starts to heal itself. Um, you'll uh, have better quality of life. You will be able to reverse some symptoms possibly that have to do with respiratory illness. And you will incre increase your maybe your life for one, uh, one to two years or whatever it may be. So it's it's never too late to quit. And um, if you can today and now is a great time to really consider it as we are in this, this space of COVID-19. This is the perfect time to go ahead and call the 1-800-QUIT-NOW. If you're a veteran, you can call that quit line. And then also um, check out smokefree.gov. They have this, the uh, specific one for older adults that you can look at as a resource. And then look forward to what the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center is going to be launching um, soon this year. And take advantage of the pharmacist at your local pharmacy. And maybe it's not close to you, but we will have a, a uh, website and a phone number that you will be able to call to find out which pharmacies in your area are participating. And so if they are, you can make sure that you get, get the help from your ph local pharmacist um, or go ahead and use those quit lines. So it's never too late to quit. And I hope that if you are a smoker, that you will really consider quitting um, after you've listened to this podcast. Thank you, Kathy, for um, for doing this. And, and it was an honor to be able to be a part of this great uh, wealth of knowledge that's on the line today. Thank you for joining the conversation. If you found this conversation of interest, we encourage you to join the conversation by visiting us online at qsource.org slash conversation podcast. This conversation was produced by QSource, the Quality Innovation Network Quality Improvement Organization for Indiana under a contract with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Content does not necessarily reflect CMS policy.